Thanks for listening and welcome to the CoachMaze.com podcast, where high school basketball coaches can turn to find that one takeaway to add to their already successful programs. Like you, I'm a high school coach, so let me know on Twitter at Coach J. Mays what your takeaway from today's talk was. Coaches, I'm excited to spend time with Coach Corey Baldwin. He's the head coach at South Georgia State College at Junior College in Waycross, Georgia. Corey and I became good friends while I was an assistant coach at Valdosta State. I loved recruiting his players because you knew one thing for sure. They were going to play very, very hard. Coaches, I am, I, I, I kid you not, as they warm up for practice, they do loose ball drill. That's their warm up. <laughs> South Georgia State's a winning program, but it takes a special personality to lead it. It isn't the most resource rich situation. Corey's never had a full allotment of scholarships. He has to get creative with financial aid. He doesn't have a cafeteria, so he has to find ways to feed his players during the year. He doesn't have dorms, all while preparing them for life as a student-athlete at the next level. And his rate of placing players at four-year colleges or universities is 100% in the 12 years that he's been there. That is amazing. We're going to be discussing how to make where you are now your dream job. That's what Corey does. He doesn't complain. He doesn't make excuses. He finds a way. His will to win is among the most intense that I've ever uh, seen, witnessed uh, in my coaching career. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Coach Corey Baldwin. Coaches, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CoachMaze.com podcast. If you're looking for more great basketball content, please check out these other shows on the Hoopheads Pod Network. Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball with Eric Klump and Justin Gerstung, Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham, and our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and Jason Sunkel. It's my pleasure to be with Coach Corey Baldwin of South Georgia State College out of Wake Cross, Georgia. Corey and I go way back, uh, not too far, Corey, but I mean, when I, in 2015, when I came to South Georgia to be Mike Helfer's assistant coach of Adolph State, I didn't know a soul. One of the first uh, recruiting trips I took was to Waycross, Georgia to see your team practice. Um, and uh, we became really good friends since then. And interesting, Corey, I'll, I'll never forget this. Part of my deal there is I had a little Honda Civic that they gave me. And, and um, on the way there, I mean, literally, I just moved in there. Um, uh, maybe that I, that might have been the first real work day for me when I went to Waycross. And I remember I went to go check out a kid named Russell Kihei. I think that was his uh, his last name, six eight kid. But uh, I I hit an armadillo on what, what I don't know, I can't remember the the highway between. Yeah, and and I like I didn't know South Georgia had armadillos, you know. And on the way back, I saw an alligator down there in the little trench lines, and uh, I was like, "Well, welcome to South Georgia, baby." <laughs> so so many things, right? First of all, thanks for having me. Yeah. Second, second is uh, that road, Highway 82 from Waycross to Valdosta. Uh, I'm sure is probably would be great for filming like a mob mob movie. Or <laughs> They go and bury the bodies that no one will ever find. But there is 
it, nothing but pine, uh, pine forests and cypress swamps, baby. That's right. It's, it's a little scary. <laughs> well, listen, the, the topic today, um, and you came front of mind because I've always admired uh, how you just got things done at South Georgia State. Now, now let me preface that. Coaches, South Georgia State is um, a very, very good program. And my favorite player I ever recruited, and we're going to talk about this kid a little bit later, Corey, was uh, when I was at Valdosta State, the favorite player I ever recruited was O'Shawn Williams. I loved that kid. And that guy, we probably could have had him at a, if I if we had to recruit him harder out of high school. Um, he was a qualifier, and he ended up going to your place. And, man, I lived in your gym trying to get that kid. And he ended up having a really good career at Appalachian State. I played there for three years and really happy with what he's doing. I think he's going to England, if I'm not mistaken, to play pro ball. But um, I've just always, like, you just got it done. And you, I'll go to Northwest Florida State or I'll go to Chipola or I would go to Tallahassee or I would uh, go to some other JUCOs up in North Georgia or I'd go uh, to some junior colleges in Mississippi. And I was like, I don't know how this guy's getting it done here because – this is not what these other guys have, you know? And so let's just start out. And, and the topic is making where you are now your dream job. And understand, Coach, my, my our target audience is high school coaches. And there's a lot of high school coaches that don't have a resource-rich environment. You, you, you're, you're probably really good friends with a lot of them down in Georgia. So before we go there, let's just start out and say, what, what is a junior college what is the NJCAA, and who is South Georgia State College? Give us a little bit of background there. All right. Well, uh, you know, junior college uh, athletics is, is interesting because it's, uh, you know, it can be two years, and a lot of guys that uh, go to junior colleges, it's usually one of three things. They're either uh, not a good student, so they're, they're, they're lacking either a test score or a GPA or maybe a course or two that made them college eligible, or – they are maybe uh, a diamond in the rough. Maybe they didn't get recruited. Maybe they were the third guy on a great team that the top two got all the recruitment. Or maybe they played in a rural high school that didn't get a lot of recruitment and uh, they're just a little under-recruited. Or they're that uh, tweener guy. You know, Maybe they should have been a point guard. They never were. They were such a scorer. They played them at a two. Maybe they're a four-man in high school, but there never would be a four-man in college. Those are a lot of the guys that, that will end up in junior college. Uh, and there's all kind of talent levels between that. doesn't mean it's less talent sometimes. You know, some of those teams you mentioned, Tallahassee last year had 11 Division One signees. I mean, you're talking about that team would be, you know, a lot of Division One teams. You know, and they, they didn't even win their, their league. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they didn't represent Florida. In other words, in the championship, uh, they lost to uh, Gulf Coast. So, uh, you know, it, it, it varies. You know, uh, talent and various reasons why they're there. But the one thing that makes junior college so great is uh, it's, it's in between. It's a place that, you know, uh, a lot of guys and, and high school coaches sometimes miss this. And, and it's just lack of uh, communication and pubbing. And that is that junior college is the only level you can go and still get recruited Division One while getting college grades. You know, you can't, you can't do that at a prep school or a post-grad. You might get eligible, but you're not going to get college credits while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get college classes, college work done while getting a chance to try to go Division One. And we, we down here, you know, it's a little different uh, for us uh, because all of our guys, or most of our guys, are qualifiers uh, because of our uh, you know requirements to get into school. So 
lot of times we'll recruit guys that are trying to up the ante a little bit and get, you know, maybe they were getting recruited by some, some D2s that were real good programs, but it wasn't a full scholarship offer, so now they're trying to get to that full scholarship offer, so they'll come here and roll the dice. Right. And see if it happens. Or try to go Division One, even, you know, try to up the ante and leave it a little more. So you get some of those. Uh, so it, it, you know, junior college to me obviously is great. I've been in it. This will be my 12th year down here, but I also coached at Truett McConnell for three years, which was a junior college. So this will be my 15th year in junior college. So I've, I've been at it a while, and then I recruited junior college a lot when I was at a D2. So I love junior college. I think it's a great place to get your core work done and then go year four year and get your major, you know, while playing ball. Uh, the other part of junior college that's neat is it's very regionally set up. So most most conferences are within the states. Get a lot of in-state rival action, a lot of in-state games, and then you know you try to take that and then go nationally at the end, you know, which is out in uh, Hutchinson, Kansas, which is the mecca, the Disney World of uh, junior college basketball. You know, where everybody wants to go. Yeah, you know, I think there's some pre some misconceptions, if you will, by high school coaches at junior college. A lot of, for example, there's not a junior college in Kentucky. Um, I was an assistant coach. My first, my second job out of out of college was an assistant coach at St. Catherine Junior College. I don't know if you know that or not, but St. Catherine was up in Region Seven. It was a Kentucky, Tennessee region. It was all Tennessee, and then you had St. Catherine. So we were the only non-Tennessee school in it. But that college doesn't exist anymore, and um, so the program doesn't exist anymore. But um, Kentucky doesn't have a lot of junior. They don't have any. So now, high school coaches in Kentucky. They don't. They're not familiar with a junior college. You know, they 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 don't know what it is. They don't know why a kid would go there. So I think there's some misconceptions. A, you got a good school. South Georgia State's a really good school, and so it's not just like a dump place for kids that can't make a test score or can't have a high GPA go to school. I mean, there's some junior colleges that um, are better academic institutions than a lot of four years colleges. I think that's a misconception. The second one is they got to stay for two years. Tell, 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 you know, tell, tell a high school coach why that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because a lot of guys, you're right, don't know that. And then they assume when they're going to junior college that that's a two-year commitment. When it, it really, if you're a qualifier and you're, you're able academically to be eligible for Division One or Division Two or NAI, you can leave after one year of junior college. Now, there'll be some certain requirements you'll have to do, such as a math and both your Englishes, but, you know, get 24 hours. But that, that should happen if you're, if you're somewhere, you know, that's taken care of you and uh, you're doing what you're supposed to do. So you'll have a chance after year one to make the jump. And, and the gentleman you spoke of earlier, O'Shawn Williams, he had offers from some very good Division twos. Uh, uh, USC Aikens is the one that came to mind out of high school, but it was partial. USC Aiken, they're going to probably take eight high major transfers. You know, they're coming from Division One or JUCO guys that maybe didn't make the grade, and then they're going to split up one or two scholarships and get four high school kids with it. You know, and uh, so they partial their high school guys a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times. So they were doing that with Oshan, and he he just thought, man, if I'm going to go partial somewhere, you know, scholarship wise, why not go a year junior college and try to get even better than than. Uh, USC Aiken as far as, uh, you know, uh, you know, division level. And uh, he came down here, played one year, and, uh, you know, he ended up getting an offer. It was crazy. Like his first 
Baltimore from Alabama State. And I remember his high school coach called me. He said, so you're telling me he got Division One good in 14 days with you? And uh, and he wasn't when he was with us for four years. And I said, no, that's not what happened. But I, I just think people, when they see you produce against other college players or play well against other college players, it makes them more comfortable on projecting you as a player. And he was, you know, he was a smaller guard. He was quick. He was strong. He had about so many positives. But I think some people were stuck on age, 5'10", I don't know. And then when they saw him going against, you know, even our own guys, they knew, hey, that's college players. Uh, he was good, man. He was so good. I mean. So, uh, you know, he jumped fast. And he was Appalachian, you know, and, and has an unbelievable year. They might have made the tournament this year, no guarantee. But they were in the semifinals of their, of their conference tournament when, when COVID-19 hit and canceled everybody. But, you know, they were on pace. And he was a big part of it, man. He was having an unbelievable year. Yeah, he's so good, man. And hey, what was the other kid you had that uh, I liked? Uh, Nate, um, uh, he's at Charleston Southern. Went to Charleston Southern. Oh, man, Nate Lewis is a great story. Nate Lewis, too. Uh, tell, get, oh, man, great yeah. story. He's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, I, I love that kid. Shoot it better. He hit the most threes his senior year in the, in the state of Florida. But he was like a three-man on a small team. They won the state championship. Uh, down there with Shane Winslet, great coach. They won down at uh, Point Siena, uh, right outside of Orlando. And uh, he had two offers, come here uh, for an out-of-state waiver uh, or go to the Minnesota Division Three JUCO, which can't give scholarships. So, uh, boy, we, we beat him out with some great recruiting right there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he came here, and the first year was a, was a piece of the puzzle. The second year, I mean, that kid worked now that summer, and he ended up becoming a Division One player, a true point guard, and uh, started both years at uh, Charleston Southern. Yeah. Know, Division One, you know, and just crazy story. His story is one of my favorites because he went to, he didn't play in the first seven games at Charleston Southern. He was their 12th or 14th guy. And then all of a sudden, he ended up starting. He started the whole time through. And then he tore his ankle up, and they told me he wouldn't play his senior year. And then all of a sudden, he was starting before conference started. So he yeah. just had – you know, just so that tells you what kind of kid. Oh man, I, th- both those kids, O'Shawn and Nate, would have been tremendous talents at, at Valdosta State if we could have got them. And uh, I tell you what, though, I think you could tell everybody it wasn't from a lack of trying on our part. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, uh, Mays had a. Uh, I think he might have had an apartment over here. Like, well, he was some of the staff meetings that help us out because you know, he knew our guys so much, and, uh, we, and we loved it, man, because. Uh, one thing about Valdosta State, you know, it, it's a, you know, certain areas you get this in, within the state of Georgia, especially, but Valdosta is one of those, you know, one that's championship division two football, and it's a huge campus, great dorms, great campus life, great town. You know, people don't look at it like a division two, and that's why I got, you know, Mays out there working. <laughs> Hey man, hey, I remember my line, man. Hey, we're as divi- we're as Division One as a Division Two could ever be. <laughs> that's, the truth. that's the truth, man. Hey, so all right, so that's you know, so that that sort of gives some background um, as to you know who you are and, and what a junior college is and, and why what you know and the connection I want to make between you and high school coaches now is like I said earlier. A lot of coaches, man, they, they got to go raise money for for buses and for transfer and, and for uniforms. And you know, they just don't – they don't have much, you know, but they want to win. They care about kids. And 
Uh, Talk to me a little bit about South Georgia State. You know, I I know it's a really good academic school, so the emphasis is going to be on academics a lot, you know, from an administrative standpoint. Now, you obviously have turned that basketball program into a perennial power in your region and in the southern United States, really, in junior college. And I know they appreciate that. You're a fixture on that campus. So talk to us about what South Georgia State College was when you got there, what it is now, and how you've had to just – beg and and borrow and sweat and, and cry to, to get it to where you are now. And again, our topic is, you know, make where you are now your dream job. So what, how's that happened for you? Uh, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. When I first came here, uh, we were away cross college and they had, they had, had a uh, junior college division, division two golf team only. Hey, time out that you were called the Swamp Foxes. Yeah. So, uh, they had just maybe three or four years, maybe even a little bit longer, done away with golf. And they had a guy named Brian Hartley, who had been named AD of the athletic department that didn't exist. And he had a vision to bring basketball here. And uh, that first year, uh, they, they hired me. It, it got pushed so far back. They hired me to like July 24th, 26th, 27th, somewhere around there. And uh, we were playing games at, in, you know, November of that year. So uh, that was a crazy deal. You know, starting a whole new program. We didn't have an ice machine. We didn't have a locker room. You know, there was so many things that, that they didn't uh, think about. And it was just because they didn't know. Um, and that was kind of crazy how that all started. And then you add in the fact, you know, since I've been here, when, when we were way across college, um, you know, if you had a high school diploma, you could get into school here. Uh, and that first team we had, uh, the second year, uh, we go to Hutch. We finished 12th in the country. Um, we had some high school qualifiers, but they were only like four guys out of those 15 that would get into school now uh, with the requirements we have now. So things changed a lot from Wind Cross College to South Georgia State. So kind of what happened was uh, – we were way across college for four years, and the state of Georgia was merging colleges together, and they merged uh, us and South Georgia College together. And uh, way across college, uh, we had about uh, 600 students to 1,000. It kind of uh, fluctuated and went back and forth uh, on the way across campus. And South Georgia College had uh, dorms, and at way across college, we did not have dorms. We lived in a uh, duplexes. The basketball players live in duplexes on Sage Street. And uh, I'm sure you've been over there before when you were recruiting our guys. Yep. You know, they always said uh, Sage Street isn't it, for everyone. You know, it kind of made boys into men. You know, <laughs> kind of, you know, buy groceries together and learn to cook, things like that. That's because you so, didn't have a cafeteria, correct? No cafeteria. Uh, you know, just so many things that were crazy. You know, we we uh, sometimes I look back and I wonder how we did it. So we that first year when I came down, I left out one part. I did bring four guys with me from Truett because Truett had been junior college forever and was going in AI, and I thought that really set the tone for the program. But anyway, jumping back to where we're at now, so we merge um, and uh, we become South Georgia State. The first couple of years, they kind of just leave us over here and almost ran two athletic departments. Uh, they they uh, family kind of brought us to Douglas, but we still play in 
wake up at 7.30, eat breakfast, and then all get on the bus at 8.30 and come over to the Waycross for classes and practice. And we eat lunch, and they have like a makeshift cafe. We would eat lunch in Waycross, and then after practice, we would bus back to Dutton. Wow. We did, we did that for two years, so it was kind of something a little different, you know. Um, How many scholarships did you have at that time? Uh, when we started the program, it, it was a little different. It was uh, we had four tuition scholarships and uh, four uh, housing scholarships, and you couldn't use them together. And then now the way they do it, it it's eight, it's eight uh, tuition scholarships. Okay. So we don't have any housing, and as you know, housing and meals are a high dollar. Uh, so it, it'll, it, you know, you got to get a different guy. And so your competition has full scholarships that include housing and meals. Correct. And I, I, I really try not to cover it a lot, and one of the reasons why is I don't want them coming and, uh, um, you know, taking guys per se. But the other reason is, you know, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. So you got to focus on what you do got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we try to, you know, get a lot of times the guys I'm, I'm recruiting or that we're recruiting to bring here, uh, we'll bump heads every now and then with people in our league, but normally we don't. Normally, we don't butt, butt heads with uh, Florida Juco's because if we do, at the end of the day, we, we, we know what, what the outcome's going to be. And, it, and it's, you know, it's a mere numbers game. You know, they're going to beat us out because they can offer more money. And, you know, you got to respect that and understand that or it's going to hurt you in the long run. So what kind of kid does that cause you to recruit? Uh, I think with us, a lot of times, it's, uh, it's the relationships will help some, you know, but a lot of times it's got to be a kid that, uh, you know, really, really wants to gamble on himself. You know, hey, I got an offer to go to, to a good D2 for a partial. I got an offer, you know, to uh, walk on at a, at a D1 and not get any money. You know, but I, I would rather, you know, gamble on myself, get a little bit of scholarship, but mainly try to use, uh, you know, playing time and, and hard work here to get to that next spot that I think I should be at anyway. And then the other thing you got to look at, Pell is important. If it's a kid that receives Pell, which is financial aid, that can cover a lot of the money that we can't. Now, there are programs that give people Pell back, you know, and let them keep it. So that, that obviously sometimes could, could hurt you more and can help you if you get recruited other places. And then you look at kids that are very, very good academically because they make and receive some academic money. Uh, in the state of Georgia has a thing called Hope Scholarship. Yeah. Now, that's different because, again, most junior colleges are not recruiting that, that level of students. So, you know, you go on different things. And then we, we do have some waiver, uh, border uh, waivers. Yeah. So, in other words, if you're a bordering state, we can waiver it. So, I've made a living in Florida the last um, two or three years, maybe really about the last five years because of that. And then we recruit a lot of South Georgians. A lot of, uh, from my truer days, a lot of North Georgia, I always end up with two or three kids that are from the Rome or uh, Athens area, you know, two different sides of North Georgia. Yeah. And then we recruit Atlanta. I, I, I always joke, you know, if you're inside the 285, uh, you, you better you better be offering fools. But a lot of times, if you, if you just take one step out of 285, you can get the same kids. Or, yeah. Now, Corey, what? Some one of the things that I noticed about your teams is your kids got chips on their shoulder. Um, and 
if anybody watches you coach, I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story here for a second. I remember what was the jamboree that always happened in the summer. Corey Blacksteel, um, I can't remember the name of it, but I would always go and I watch. Obviously, you 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 would take your team there. Um, high school coaches. What I'm talking about is is uh, in, in the summer, junior colleges get together and have these jamborees where all these teams come and they actually be coached by their by their college coaches in the summer. And it's during, you know, a period where NCAA coaches can be out and evaluating talent. So I'd always go to the ju- uh, junior college jamborees and South Georgia State would always be there. I'd always, you know, sit right there in the front row of the bleacher and watch them. And I remember one time uh, you got tossed out of a game and it was in the summer. And <laughs> – so my point is this. I don't mean that in a, in a negative light. It was awesome. It was like I, you didn't care. It was July. You know, it, it, by golly, we're playing to win. And almost that you had you coach with that chip a little bit on your shoulder. You know, I mean, you're just 90 miles an hour with your hair on fire. And I mean, the way you pra- I mean, Corey, in, in, in the intro to this episode, I tell listeners that you're the only program I've ever seen that does loose ball drill as a loosening up drill to start your practice, you know, and I've never seen that before. And I'm in there with, with Cliff Ellis one day from, from, um, uh, coastal Carolina, a longtime coach at Auburn. And he's like, they're diving on the floor and they ain't, they ain't been in, they ain't been in here five minutes, you know? And, and so the, I think your kids take on your personality, uh, and you're coaching kids that almost, Look, we're going to beat this team, and when they're get, when they go home, they're going to have a cafeteria to get up to and go to in the morning, you know. Or you know, they're gonna they're gonna be able to not worry about do I have enough money left to to buy lunch tomorrow. You're not that kid. That you've got to pour everything you've got into this game right here for for me, the coach, for this school, for this community to get you to where you want to achieve your dreams. When I've seen your team teams play, they always have this this chip on their shoulder. Um, I'm talking player one through 12. I remember one summer at the junior college jamboree, one of the ones I was at, you know, South Georgia State was there. You were coaching your team. For high school coaches, what that is, is these, these junior college teams can can get together in the summer and they play other junior college teams. They're actually coached by the real coach and um, NCAA coaches can come watch and evaluate talent. And it's a I, I used to love those things. And I remember one game you got you got tossed. It was July. You didn't care. It was July. You you were trying to win, and your kids play the same way, you know. And I, I don't say you got tossed in a bag way. I'm just saying you were coaching your butt off, you know. And these these referees weren't really working very hard because it was summer and they couldn't understand your intensity. Well, the 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 15 most intense people in that gym were you and your 14 players, you know. So. Um, you know, you, you've talked about already about how you just, you know, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, so to speak, coaching in junior college and how you've had, turned that program around. You don't make excuses, things of that nature. But I almost sense that you like getting those kids that have that chip, that have that extra, um, you know, I don't have that silver spoon. I, I, I know, I'm under-recruited. I, I've got to prove myself because your coaching career, and we're going to get to that in a second, has sort of been that way as well. You know, I mean, you 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 didn't get placed here by a, a high major Division One coach. You know, um, you know your your uncle's not coaching the ACC. 
You know, I mean, you, you've had to earn everything you've got. So talk to me about the kind of kids that you're looking for as you build this program and, and how they fit what you're doing and how they fit your persona. You know, uh, first thing, you know, my dad was a mechanic. Uh, he, he was going to work usually before I was up. You know, he was, he was, he was a body man on cars, not a mechanic, but he worked on cars and, uh, you know, a hard worker, you know, always working and took pride in if you do something, you do it. Do it the best you can do it. So I, I kind of took that, you know, here. And then for me, me to be a college coach or a high school coach or any coach is not what it was supposed to be. I didn't play at Duke. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have a silver spoon like I said. So I take that and I try to get the player with the same mentality. I love guys who, who have that, that chip on their shoulder. When I, when I go see a kid, some of the first things I want to ask a high school coach is how tough is he? And that's not one of those questions where, you know, I'm just asking to ask or to make conversation. You know, usually I'll ask it twice because I know how sometimes I get those questions for four years. And you're like, come on, man, you're seeing them, you know. But it's not that. It's like, I really, how tough is he? Like, I need to know, is he, is he really a tough guy? And then the next thing you ask is, you know, does, does he love it? You know, right. I think those are the two most important things to be good here. I think you've got to love it because you're going to have, uh, you know, time on your hands and you're going to have to love it enough to not go and, you know, chase girls or, you know, I don't mind, you know, it can be a terrible thing to in trouble. You, you need to be focused on two-ball handling, getting extra shots up, you know, getting some conditioning in, whatever it may be, getting the gun out, getting shots up, whatever. Those are things that, uh, you know, we like to see, uh, you know, and then I think uh, I go recruit, you know, a lot of times I'll look for guys that are overachievers, and uh, those are the guys I, I want to get. You know, I like tough guys. And tough doesn't mean you want to fight somebody. Tough just means you're willing to to go further. You know, you know the old saying. You know, true true toughness is when you when you know you you, you should lose, but you don't think you're going to lose. You still you're still going to fight to till the end. And that's those are the kind of guys I want in our program. You know, when I see when I saw your teams play, you know, you you you've always been a very approachable, very humble coach. Um, you know. I, um, I would go watch your team's practice or play, and you would be very organized. You would have chairs laid out for us. You practice agenda on each chair. If there were four coaches coming in, there were four chairs and four practice plans. Not many, not many people do that. But you treated me an assistant at a Division Two as well as, uh, you know, a, a mid major Division One head coach. Um, there was no, you know, and, and your kids also, I think, honored small college non Division One offers a little bit better than your average junior college kid did because they saw that, you know, that was your personality as well. And that's just a reflection of your origin, your upbringing, and your humble climb of that coaching ladder. Um, tell us a little bit about your climb of that ladder. Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to college? Um, how'd, how'd you get to where you are now? You know, I think it starts, you know, my mom was the youngest of eight. So that means she had uh, she had four of her brothers and three sisters, and they all had kids. I was the youngest of that next generation. So all my cousins would beat me up and make me play games with them. And I, you know, would be the, the, the youngest one or smallest one playing. And in order to get involved or to be a factor within just those little games, you know, I had to beat the bully, which in this case was cousins, but, you know, relatives. But that was part of it. And uh, I think that started some of that toughness uh, or wannabe toughness that I kind of had and then, uh, and kind of ran with it. I was lucky. I actually played for a real good middle school coach. And I know that uh, that might seem strange. This far, I've been a college coach for 22 years. But 
but there still are some little things I do that my middle school coach did. And, uh, you know, I was just lucky. I got lucky. You know, he, he was a guy that, for whatever reason, never moved, never decided to go up to high school. And uh, I'm sure it was by choice because he always was a, had good teams. But, man, he just taught so many principles and, and was just so involved with the kids and made them better. Man, I just always remember that. I was also a football player. I took a lot from football as well. I was, I was a quarterback, so you had to have some leadership skills. And you had to learn to communicate to different people. You know, you'd have a running back here that might not know his right from his left, and you got to help him with the number schemes, where to run the holes and the block. And you might have a lineman that forgets the snap count every time. You know, these are things you kind of had to take care of, and you learn, you know, in, you know while the bullets were flying. And I thought, looking back, I didn't know it then. It prepared me a lot to coach basketball, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, I was lucky enough. I, I played at two high schools. I played at Jonesboro High School uh, and loved every minute of it. Ended up transferring my junior year and played at Lake City Christian, which no longer exists. Uh, and put both of those places, played for real good coaches, uh, basketball and football. Really enjoyed it. You know, uh, David Justice, not the one who played for the Braves, but uh, my coach was Coach David Justice at that Christian school, and he taught me so many things uh, on and off the court. And at Jonesboro, I just had so many different guys. You know, Coach Mortensen uh, was a football coach who helped me a lot. Uh, you know, really enjoyed enjoyed uh, his time, you know, learning from him. Uh, you know, and had uh, Coach Baye, he was another one that I learned a lot from, Coach Wade. Uh, they were all football guys, but they really taught me a lot. And uh, when I went on to play at Clayton State, you know, I really had – I was uh, – uh, we had six Division One transfers when I was a freshman. And, boy, you want to talk about being humble immediately. <laughs> uh, you know, they were grown men. I always joked I was the only guy that didn't have a, a kid or a current wife or an ex-wife <laughs> uh, on the team. And, man, it just taught me so many things about basketball and life. My goal was to go back and be a middle school coach. And after about two trips on the road, we were driving vans in because we were going from NAI to D2. And uh, Coach Dennis Walsh and Coach Hebron, Coach Hebron was the head coach, 14-year assistant with Bobby Crimmins. Coach at high school that beat Jordan out his last year in high school. He's just a great guy, man. And, uh, complete opposite of me, probably an upbringing. You know, New York guy, Dennis Walsh, who was the assistant, been everywhere uh, as an assistant at Lamar for Billy Tubbs. And, for Calhoun at Northeastern, he'd been everywhere. And, man, I would sit in the front seat with those guys and just talk. And I knew after two trips, man, I'm not coaching middle school. I'm coaching college. This mm-hmm. is what I want to do. And uh, it was neat that first year I learned so much uh, with those two. But also on the court, I was a scout team position one through five because we only had ten guys on that roster. And when they would move guys, we only played eight. So when they would move those three that played over to the other side, I might have to move a position because they told me I had to know them all. And, uh, man, that made me learn so much about, like, what teams did, like why they did it. You know, I didn't even know what UCLA Cup was when I got there. But, man, I knew a lot of things by about the third week of practice, you know, from running all the other team stuff. And, uh, man, that just made me fall in love with it even more. And then I got lucky. It was a guy, Brandon Johnson, who's been a little bit everywhere. He was an assistant one year there when I was playing. And he, he kind of took me to that next step. Like, here's some things you need to do if you're really going to coach college. Uh, and he would talk to me during study hall when I was supposed to be studying. I was I was doing an internship with him, basically learning what do I need to do to be a college coach. And uh, I got lucky when I finished playing. I stayed on. I had like four classes I was going to take that next year. And 
Coach Hammer said, hey, look, just stay here, be a volunteer. We'll, we'll have you do a lot of stuff and it'll work out. And I'm going to bring in a new assistant. And then, you know, you and you know, can learn from each other. And about, uh, I, I, he interviewed a bunch of guys while I was working camp that summer with him. And then you know, about maybe two weeks before school started, he called me in and said, hey, I'm going to tell you what Bill Curry said when he became head football coach at Georgia Tech. And I'm thinking, where is this going? What are we talking about? He goes, Bill Curry said he was not ready to be the Georgia Tech football head coach, but if he had waited until he was ready, he wouldn't have had the offer. Hmm. So I'm, about to, I'm about to offer you the, the assistant job that's available. You're not ready. So if you wait until you are ready, it's probably not going to be available. So do you want it? And I'm like, heck yeah, let's go. And uh, so I ended up staying there seven years as a D2 assistant. First year, I was still finishing school. Uh, I worked two years for Coach Hever, and then I worked five years for uh, Gordon Gibbons, who was uh, a big-time D2 coach. Had been in three or four uh, final fours down in Florida Southern, and had been a He's one of the winningest CPA coaches ever, which is, you know, a crazy stat. I think yeah. like Phil Jackson and then him. Yeah. And uh, he coached a long time in A's. He coached a little bit everywhere in Florida. But I learned so much from him. That really kind of took me to that next hunger to become a head coach. And uh, I did not want to be a Division One assistant at that time. I did not want to be another, you know, what I wanted a head coaching job. And back then, now, like, D2 guys hired D2 assistants. Back then, that was unheard of. So I thought the route to go, man, I interviewed for two or three JUCO jobs. And, and uh, you know, as, as I kept moving along, ended up getting one at a, and I was there three years uh, as the head coach. They were going four years. Didn't seem like a, a move that I really agreed with as far as how they were going to do it and win. And then I got lucky enough to come on down here to Wake Cross. Okay, so Clayton State, the Troop McConnell, Troop McConnell, to uh, Waycross, which ended up merging and becoming South Georgia State College. So, you know, and, you know, that whole path is just nothing but just lessons of humility and hard work and just what I like to say, doggedness. You know, you just got to, you got to bow your neck and uh, you got to just do, I mean, yeah, you, had, you probably swept more floors and did more laundry as a paid assistant coach uh, than most Division One managers do. You know, and and you know, it's just um, I always thought it was was fascinating to see Division One guys coach that that, for lack of a better phrase, come down to coach Division Two or NAI. You know, and for the right reasons. I mean, they're good guys and they just want to be a head coach. They get an opportunity, so they do it. And they're sort of shocked about there's not somebody here to do that for me. Oh, I got to do that too. You know. And I'm always, I'm always like, you know, go ahead and swallow that learning curve, big boy. You know, <laughs> there, there's no doubt, man. You, you, uh, when I was a D2 assistant, you know, you just you drive fans, you, you're checking classes, you're sweeping floors. You usually have, a, you know, I had another job. Uh, I had two other jobs. I actually ran that up. It was a workout facility on campus, and I used to open it up almost every other morning. I would five thirty to about nine a.m. go work it open it up and uh, work it in the morning and then I'd usually go teach some classes. I taught, once I got my master's, I taught a couple of classes and then, uh, you know, get right back after, you know. Yep. And I can remember times going recruiting and, you know, you don't stay overnight and, and at least you didn't at Clayton when you went recruiting. So mm-hmm. I might drive down and see a game of Tallahassee. You know, on the way down, I might have stopped and watched a practice or something in uh, at Middle Georgia or whatever and then drive right back that night. 
couple of hours and then I'm opening up the workout facility at 5 30. Let's go. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you just roll with it, man. Let's yeah. go. I love every minute of it. And, and that's been one of the reasons why you're, you've been successful at South Georgia State because, you know, you're not complaining about what you don't have. You know, you're, you're you're thankful for what you do have there, and what you do have, you're making work for you. I mean, go ahead and recite to us um, the success rate you have of placing your. Um, I think you've had 80, 84 sophomores and three freshmen that have left you and went on to four year schools. Of those eighty four sophomores and of those three freshmen that that um, left you after the freshman year. What percentage have you helped place at a four-year college uh, somewhere? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All every one of them. Yeah, we've been we've been very fortunate, uh, and we've had guys play every level this year. Kind of a funny story. Like I think this class would show you just how different a team can be in junior college. We had two Division One signees. Uh, we had uh, three Division Two signees. No, excuse me, two Division II signees, so that's four. We had uh, two NAI signees, and we had a kid go Division three to play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're talking every every level known to man out of eight guys. Uh, moving on to play, and, um, you know, their scholarships vary. But the one thing I love, all of them graduated, and all, all of them are going to graduate where they're going. That's the, at least that's the plan. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love, they call me. You know, they'll make those calls back, and a lot of times the first couple of weeks, man, it's a little different. I thought, whatever, whatever. And you know, my, my thing always is, man, if, remember how tough it was here, man, you ain't quit nothing. You know, you're gonna finish there, and you're gonna be a star there before it's over. And by a star, I mean you're gonna get your degree, man. Just keep working, just keep working. You know, and that's, uh, I think enough guy. I don't think enough guys do that. I'm not too mild horn, but it just amazes me sometimes when, when players call coaches. Yeah, yeah, I'll start calling some other schools for you. Uh, I think the answer ought to be, man, be a star where you're That's at. right, man. That's so right. That's so right. I mean, how many kids are in the transfer portal now just in basketball? Oh, it's oh, out of control. Over 800, 850, or over 1,000 now? Wow. And I can tell you this, out of the 87 guys we've had move on the plate, now granted, eight of them just went, so they haven't even moved into campus yet. But, but out of the 87, uh, you know, we've only had six guys ever transfer. Right. And to be honest with you, most of those were uh, coaching changes or, or, or something occurred where they kind of had to move on. But uh, none of them were just, man, I'm, I'm moving to move. And I think, you know, those are important things. Why, why do you think that's a part of our game at the college level, anyhow? Um, you know, this is not really a high school take, but why, why do you think kids are so quick to pick up and leave? It, it has to be something on the front end of the decision-making process that they're failing at. What, what, what's your opinion of that? Why are so many kids transferring? I got a couple of opinions. Uh, one is I think it might be a high school question, though, because sometimes they do it in high school as well. But Good point. Some of it, I, I think some of it is, uh, like you said, some of it is the decision-making. I think some people, uh, they don't they don't fully look at everything. And then the other thing is, man, there's some tough coaches out there, and there's some coaches that make it you know, hard, but I think most people uh, just assume they can, uh, you know, they forget. Most people didn't start when they were freshmen in high school. So why are they going to start at the next level when they're freshmen? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do that every year when I meet with my team. I can raise your hand if you started every game as a freshman in high school. And there might be one guy in the room. And these are all college players. And I'll go, so, so you're going to start here at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Your first year. You know, it's, it's a, you, you got to be realistic. And a lot of people don't like being realistic because it's not fun. You know, but you tell them that. You go, I, that doesn't mean you can't be great here. It doesn't mean you can't be successful. It doesn't mean you won't start. But it means your percentages are against you. You better work your tail off. And let's go from there, you know. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of people aren't real with people. And in defense, they can't be because it's just the way it's set up. I think you got, it, you know, you, in college, they got, especially the highest level, it's all about, you know, the sale. And, and the, uh, you know, we got more, you know, keep up with the challenges and all that stuff. It's tough, man. So a lot of times when they get there, they know, man, they've been recruited by all these other ops to try another place. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It's to that point, I don't necessarily blame kids, but, I, or or even certain adults, but I do think uh, we made it too easy to do it. I think that's right. Well, let me let's let's start wrapping this up. I mean, I want you to talk to um, not just high school coaches. In I mean, I've got high school coaches in Alaska actually listening to this. I've got uh, prep coaches overseas listening to this podcast. Um, so not just high school coaches in Kentucky, which is you know where I live, um, or just high school coaches in Georgia where you live, but just high schools high school coaches in general that don't have a large budget, if a budget at all, that, that don't have a lot of materialistic niceties, if you will, um, what what would be your advice to them to um, find a way to get it done anyhow? Um, I mean, what have you learned during your journey at the, at the junior college level where you've had to adapt and overcome and you've had to avoid making excuses and, and complaining and just find a way. What's what's sort of your thought process since the this is what I've done, this is what I believe, and what advice would you give those coaches? Well, there's a couple of things I would do. I think one is you gotta decide when you when you're when you're a coach, what is winning? And uh, that might sound like a silly question or it might sound like I'm getting too too uh, silly touchy here, but I think you gotta decide what is winning first off. And if winning is winning games, if that's all you, you care about, then you got to figure out what it is you can do to do that. If you think it's some of the other things, you know, build, building uh, up your players in other ways and doing some things, then you'll focus on that. And, and through that, you'll probably end up in some of the other wins as well. And uh, so that's one. Two, I think you've got to be willing to, to work outside of basketball. You know, one of the things I've, I've been able to do here is – get involved with a lot of people. You know, I go to Rotary every Tuesday. You know, I miss the last two. If they're listening, they'll, they'll say I'm a liar. But I go every Tuesday when I can. Uh, I'm a member of Rotary. And one of the reasons I am is I want to be involved with the community here. But the other reason I am is, you know, it, it allows me to, to meet some people who can, who can help our program, not just with money. But, you know, we have some people who come in and speak to our players and do different things. And you make it more about the community than you do about, quote, quote, fundraising. I've been lucky enough to get involved with two or three people here in town, uh, one of which was in our end of our second year here, who is now our, our foundation uh, president of men's basketball, which is Jimmy uh, Lamb. He's the best. You know, he works at Applebee's. Uh, he's not by any means a, a rich man money-wise, but he's rich in, in what he gives us. He works his tail off for us, and we, we, we pay him a high five after every game. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that volunteers and does a lot of the game day setup which took a lot off my plate, and now I can do more basketball stuff, and so can my assistants on game day. Uh, we have people, 
with his campus professors. You know, we have a lady, Lynn Cruz, who's worked the front gate for us. Every game that I can remember, if she did it, Peggy used to some. We've had some other people. Uh, Dr. Smith does it some. Uh, Miss Sarah Selby. But these are all people who are giving their time. Uh, we have a, a professor here that does English, Miss Stevens, another one, Dr. A. And these are all people that we've poured in stuff to, and in return, they tenfold poured in stuff to us. Scores table people, same thing, and you try to just make it a community. Uh, you know, we have so many people that that now are involved with our games uh, that that they're not getting money to do it. You know, they're giving their time, which is way more than money, uh, to help our program be better. And uh, people like being around something where they feel wanted, and all these people are, are needed and wanted. And then you you know you add in and those things now can not only help your game day experience be successful, it brings more fans in, it brings uh, all that stuff. And then now if you're doing the, the basketball in, which is a hard work, whatever style you choose to play, whatever, whatever, and you're working hard at that, and, you know, getting guys who, who, like we said, are trying to overachieve, and everything, you know, as you start winning some, then everybody gets excited. And uh, we've been lucky here, you know, we've averaged 22 wins a season in 11 years. And, uh, man, you know, just a lot of different guys that come through and made that happen, and, and they still stay involved and come back. And that's, I think that's the other one. You want people always want to be around the team, want to be around. Uh, you know, I, my family comes to practices. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not naive. We might say a curse word here or there on accident or whatever. You know, we're not, we're not saints, but at the same time, you know, it's a family atmosphere. Yeah. We all, you know, we love each other and we're working hard for each other. Therefore, we're going to respect each other. And, you know, I don't mind if parents come. I, that doesn't happen a lot in college, but, man, my doors are open. You know, like you said, I'll, I'll print out a practice plan. I'll print out a roster. If you're coming, I do that for the coaches. But, but also, Jason, I do that if a professor tells me they want to come by. Yeah. You know, because you know, I want everybody to feel like we're they're. You know, they're, they're the one we're, we're working for right now. I want them to see that respect. We're going to give them and, and hopefully return it gets given back, you know. Well, what I'm hearing, uh, you know, our, our tagline on this podcast is, you know, find that one takeaway that you could take back to your high school program to make it better tomorrow than it was today. And you just, you just, I just found my takeaway, um, uh, from my discussion with you today, which is, you know, if you don't have a lot of, resources and you know a lot of coaches associate resource with money make sure that you're investing in people and the be people rich you know have a lot of stakeholders that care about your kids that care about your success of your program and you just sort of find a way to get things done because you just got so much so many people investing their time they're just not gonna let you fail and I think that's a really good point. So don't always focus on the dollars and cents of, of operating your program and complain. Cause a lot of coaches, that's it, where they, they focus on what they don't have, which usually is tied to a, a dollar amount, you know? And what you're saying is invest in people, man, become people rich. And you know, that's great. Uh, one, one of the things I would add to that, you know, like, uh, and this kind of goes into some of the stuff that me and you have always talked about, you know, we've had four or five assistants that were players here, uh, the one assistant, DJ's been with Kennedy 11 years here, but his first three years here, he was uh, a uh, student manager. Mm-hmm. I love DJ. He's now, and he, he definitely is a big part of our program. Uh, it's not, it's not the major part. You know, here, here's a guy that, I mean, he lives, breathes, way across, you know, 
here. I mean, you know, he's all in. Our other assistant, Rashad Lawson, he was a point guard on the team that finished 12th in the country. Went on, played Division Two at Albany State, coached a little high school, and came back. And uh, oh, so they're they're more than just invested, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, they they, they have they have a lot of love for what's going on here. Uh-huh. And sometimes when you're a player, you know, when you're a player, sometimes it can be hard because we are so invested in it. You know, sometimes you can feel a little bit of like, man, coach wants it bad. But I think when you really step back, look at it, you appreciate it more than it, than it bothers you because, you know, heck yeah, you know, that's the guy I won't fight for. You know, those are assistants I won't fight for. Yeah. It's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, your assistants have always been very, very loyal. Um, matter of fact, DJ and Andre uh, called me about a month ago. And for listeners, those are two former assistants of – well, DJ still an assistant with Coach Baldwin at South Georgia State. But Andre um, used to be an assistant. And they both called me about a month ago just congratulating me on our high school season this year. And they didn't have to do that, you know. Um, they didn't want anything out of return. Yeah, that's genuine. I mean, they really – I've loved that. And we've had some assistants move on. You know, uh, got a lot of guys who have moved on and are at, you know, quote, quote, bigger programs or, or high school coaches or whatever, and coaches at different places. And, and you know, we, we joke, I, I do this thing. It sometimes can be annoying, I know, but but I do it because I, I, I believe it's hard. We do a thing, hashtag hogs everywhere. I've seen and it, and yeah. And the reason we do it is we joke, you know, our guys end up everywhere, you know, and, and that's assistants, players, wherever. And uh, it's funny, man. You can tie a lot of stuff back to little Waycross or Douglas, Georgia. Yeah. Five pounds of ball, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, You're right. That's funny. So true. Well, brother, man, I, I think a lot of you, um, you were you were very kind to me as a uh, as an outsider coming into South Georgia at Valdosta State. I didn't. I didn't know anybody. I didn't. I mean, I hadn't. I hadn't coached um, since 2007, and that was my reentry point. And you really helped me um, hit the ground running and recruiting, and just sort of understanding the landscape of Florida and, and um, South Georgia. And um, I will forever be grateful for you. But I mean, that's not why I did a podcast with you today. I invited you on because you know when I when I said you know making where you are now your dream job. You know, always being present where your feet are and just not making an excuse, you know, not complaining, just find a way to get it done when, regardless. Dude, you came front of mind because that's what you do every year at South Georgia State. And your kids love you for it because they realize that they're better off when they go to four year colleges. They're tougher because of the experience there. Um, so you're a perfect fit there. And, you know, I know you're, you're, you know, whether you'll be there for the next 20 years or not. I mean, I, I know you've, you, you, you've got some suitors in the past and will can continue to have suitors at, at levels higher than what you're at. So whatever you decide to do, you know, God bless you, man. I just, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to be your friend. And, uh, just thanks for coming on today. And, um, I'll see you down the road. Man, I really appreciate it. I, I want to add one thing to that. I, I always uh, appreciate our friendship when you were down here, and it meant a lot to me when you, when you first left. Uh, we ran into each other uh, at a recruiting event, and you you asked how my brother was doing. Yeah. At the time, at the time, he'd even been told he may not have long to live. That's right. He's, he's still alive today, but that that meant a lot to me, man. And I, I just remember right then knowing that wasn't no cliches thing. You were doing it because you really were worried about it. You were a genuine friend. And I always appreciated that. And I, you know, you meet a lot of good people in basketball. Some some people like to focus on the ones that aren't. But, man, I, I, I focus on the ones that I've met that are great people and genuine. And, and you were definitely one of those. 
here. No <laughs> doubt, Austin State keeps winning, and Helford will always win, I guess. But I know he misses you. I know we miss you. Uh, and, you, you know, you're doing great things up there. And this podcast is one of those to go home with all those wins you got. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I appreciate getting the chance to talk about what I love you know, helping guys through basketball. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, for listeners, thanks for tuning in. And I hope you found your takeaway to make your program better tomorrow than it was today. Coaches, I had a great time with Corey today. Um, he's a good friend. I hope you found your takeaway. I know mine was focus on investing in people, not necessarily your players. I mean, you're always going to invest in your players, but focus on investing in the stakeholders of your program, your the, the teachers at your school, your administrators, your parents, your community supporters. Uh, I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to solve our problems by raising dollars and cents when, you know, a lot of times we just need people to invest their time and their energy. I think Corey's done a great job of that, and he's found success um, in doing that at South Georgia State. So my takeaway is make sure I'm always investing in people uh, that can help our program. Uh, coaches, I, I I hope you found your takeaway. My goal of this podcast, as you know, is to allow you to find one takeaway that's going to allow you to make your program better tomorrow than it was today. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at Coach Mays Pod or at Coach J Mays. Thanks for listening to the CoachMays.com podcast. 